0: Welcome to the third episode of our Innovation in Energy podcast series. My name is Steve Jennings and I'm the Lead Partner for Energy and Utilities in PwC UK. In this episode we're going to discuss the outlook for and some of the challenges facing electric vehicle charging infrastructure in this country. Recently we produced a report looking at this topic called Charging Ahead and you'll find this report on our website. To help us discuss this theme uh, I'm joined today by Adrian Maestro, our Director of Research in PwC Strategy & and, and Graeme Cooper, Project Director for Electric Vehicles at National Grid. Adrian, perhaps you first of all,
1: where, where are we currently vis-a-vis electric vehicles and
0: charging in the UK? So clearly, very
1: exciting times. Um, I think a, there is an element of hype in, in the market. So if you look at the numbers just of electric vehicles, there's something like 135,000 electric vehicles in the UK. So these are battery electric vehicles and plug-in uh, electric vehicles. That's less than 1% of the car fleet. If you look at Norway, for example, which is very much a leader in electric vehicles, they've got 40% of the car fleet. So we're still some way behind. Having said that, demand for electric vehicles is growing significantly. So if you look at the total EV stock, so the actual car fleet, it's doubling year on year, and it's been doing so for the last few years. And you look at the number of registrations, 2017, there was something like 46,000 new registrations. That's up 25% are, are on the previous year. And this clearly There's a regulatory push behind this as well. So we all know about the announcements of the UK government to ban a sale of diesel cars and petrol cars by 2040. Scotland's looking to bring that a little bit closer by by 2032. And you look at all the the major cities in the UK, there's a big discussion about air quality issues. Uh, And and that's part of the the, the drive, the push um, towards electric vehicles. In terms of the charging infrastructure, well, there's about roughly about 15,000 uh, charge points uh, across the UK. Um, most of them are slow charges, only less than 20% are fast charges, which typically means it, you can get a charge to up to about 80% within about um, half an hour. Um, they're spread uh, across the country. Uh, most of them, um, is about 20% in London, 15% in Scotland, and the rest spread throughout the whole of the country. And um, I think the, the big issue there is it's not growing as fast as, as the vehicle fleet. So if the EV stock's growing at kind of doubling every year, charging point numbers are going at about 50% year on year. So they're lagging behind. So clearly a need to kind of grow that capacity looking mm-hmm. ahead.
0: And we all, we all hear about range anxiety being one of the concerns and one of the constraints to people adopting electric vehicles. But do we have any data or research that suggests where people are likely to charge their cars?
1: Yeah, so we've, we've, we've looked at this in the recent report that you quoted, Charging Ahead. Um, most charging will probably be done at home. You know, the study that we did, um, over 80% of vehicle drivers have ac- access to off-street parking. So clearly, you're going to have quite a few people charging at home. Um, The other data point that was interesting that came out in our report is the largest chunk of battery electric vehicle drivers typically charge between five and eight in the evening. Uh, So you can imagine that there may be, if there's a big uptake of electric vehicles, you may have implications for the grid. And I know Graham's going to speak about this later on. So that's clearly one big uh, theme to go ahead. Um, And the other thing is you need to have access to public uh, infrastructure charging. Because even though most people would be charging at home, there is this element of range anxiety as well. Uh, And cities are going to be key to driving the EV adoption uptake. You look at all the other countries where there's been rapid uptake of of electric vehicles, it's been driven by the cities. So the cities need to make sure they have access to public charging. Uh, There's a question about the speed of that charging and a we're probably going to talk about that later as well. Uh, so that would be a key thing, and I think also having access to charging in the workplace is another key element in terms of spreading that demand there.
0: So Adrian, as you, as you said, many users will charge their their vehicles at home. Um, clearly, there will be a need for public charging. We'll come back to that. But but you also touched on um, the potential impact on on uh, on the grid. Uh, and Graham, if I may turn to you at this point. Um, given that we will see growing demand for electric vehicles and home charging, will there be implications for peak load on the
2: grid? I think there are two, two things to consider. You've both got the energy element and you've got the networks element. So in our future energy scenarios, if everybody came home at five o'clock on a wet winter's evening and everybody plugged in at that time, theoretically, if we model forward, you could need 18 gigawatts of new generation. So this is where you get your daily mail headline that we're going to need five new Hinkleys. Right? So, but the one thing we realize in our, in our networks is we rely on diversity. We don't all do the same thing all at the same time. But to an extent there's an element of risk that people do generally follow patterns. You know, We finish work at a similar time, we arrive home at the same time. So one of the things that will be important as we get greater penetration is to have an element of smart charging whereby you charge not at system peak. So in our modeling through the future energy scenarios, that, um, that 18 gigawatts of new generation that we could need in 2050 actually reduces down to about 5 gigawatts if it's smart. So it's quite important that we consider the end game, you know, the, the, fu- the future, whilst we're making the small baby steps that we, that we do now. Um, But also you've got the element of the wires piece, now this is more complex and people confuse the energy element and the wires element. I think there may also be a really important role to play for DNOs in smart charging in that actually do you want to dig up an entire street to support enhanced car charging or will a small interrupt when the set network is loaded just to interrupt car charging for half an hour here or an hour there could actually avoid infrastructure cost. But the challenge is, we then actually have to make an active decision as as the network's businesses. Is that the right thing to do? You know, somehow giving you a lesser service. So it's important that smart is considered to make sure the the home charging piece, you know, works really well. Um, But I also think that, you know, the public charging piece, I I heard a really interesting statement uh, yesterday that I thought really summed it up nicely. I don't want to wait whilst I charge. I want to charge. No, I don't. I need to come at this again. I don't want to uh, charge whilst I wait. What I want to be doing is charging whilst I'm doing something else. Mm-hmm. So it just becomes a nice, neat function of that I'm doing something, and by the time I finish what I'm doing, my car is charged. But then that brings you on to the you know, who incentivizes that, and how does that work? It's just it's it's a challenge because the faster the charger the more disproportionate the cost of that fast charging. And that needs to be borne somewhere. But what I'm trying to get my
0: mind around, Graham, is what's the, balance, what's the right balance here between home charging, which, as you say, will, will inevitably be slower because yes. of the capacity of the, the, of the connection, and faster charging, which is more likely to be available through public charging, wherever those public charging sites might be, whether they're in petrol, four courts and motorway service station, have you got any feel for what that balance is, is likely to be in the future?
2: I guess this is, it's a reasonably iterative process because you can't just assume the same models we use for refueling with liquid fuel follows the same model for electric cars. Being a plug-in hybrid owner but also an electric car owner, it ends up feeling a little bit more like mobile phone charging than, than refueling a car. So I generally assume that having car charging I would just pull in at home every night and just plug the car in and in the morning we'd be done. The challenge you find with home charging is the bigger the battery of the car you realise that home charging may not actually be fast enough if you have consecutive days where you're using a lot of power. So the answer to fixing range anxiety just by bigger batteries, the unintended consequence is you'll have two ton cars, you lose the efficiency but you won't have enough rate of charge at home to refuel fully. So this then leads you to the well if I'm doing that sort of distance charging up on my route becomes really important. If you're mapping your journey you don't want to have to budget for an extra you know an hour in your journey to make sure that you can make it there and back. So I think it'll end up being a really interesting mix. As a practical example for my week so far. Charged up at home over Sunday night into Monday I was full. I drove to Warwick and back on uh, on Monday Um, But on the way back, my car told me that I may not quite make it at the consumption level I was running at. So I had to make make a decision. Did I choose to charge at one of my intermediate meetings or did I grab a fast charge on my way? Again, the car helps me with that. I actually need to stop for a cup of coffee and to answer a couple of emails. So I use the time to fast charge. So that worked for me in that instance. But it does mean there's not one Sort of golden answer to how we fix this, yeah. but coming back to your comment about range anxiety, if the first reason for not buying electric car is cost, is usually given, and the second reason is availability of charging, and it's not the, just the availability, it's the right sizing of of that. If we end up with that fast charging, freely available then you build confidence, the market will grow. And actually, as the market grows, there will be that learning and developing as to what's the right mix of home to fast to destination.
1: And it's, it's um, I mean, it's a really interesting point there. That balance is going to be the kind of formula for success because a lot of the discussion now is, is around the fact that it's going to take 30 minutes to charge your car. So allow the consumer to do something on the full court, go and have something to eat. And we were talking about this recently, you know, yep. most the biggest reason why people stop at motorway station fill up is actually to go to the lavatory. Absolutely. Yeah, um, 97%. Exactly. So... <laughs> But if you kind of build that model as a comprehensive model, there's going to be a lot of people who simply just want to charge their car quickly, like they do now with diesel and petrol cars, you fill out five minutes and off you go. So you need to have that model, that model that flexes between these different types of needs of consumers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I don't think we've cracked it yet. It seems yes. to be lots of models going out there. There's no clear comprehensive view about how to take it forward.
2: Yeah, absolutely, but I think this is really where there's going to be a, a really interesting dark art. So so pick your typical sort of supermarket, people generally do a shop once a week. Well, if you don't have charging at home, then you're going to want to charge for the week at that one location. So you're going to want a really fast charge, but that has a cost associated with it. But at the same time, the supermarket quite likes you to hang around in the store for a for a period of time and they'll know what that is for your optimum spend. So you could almost see a, in your sort of typical supermarket your sort of your premium paid for service, which is fill up quickly, that does you for the week. You kind of run of the mill sort of solution whereby somebody comes in, they'll be shopping for 45 minutes to an hour. They'll want a reasonable charge. And then there's almost that sort of value offering, um, really, which is I don't need to charge for my entire week. But it's kind of handy to trickle charge whilst I'm here. And I think there will be this, this sort of art in, in the way we, you know, we look at sort of dwell time at four courts and, you know, what will you buy at the, at the shop when you pay for your fuel. I think there will develop this art around what is the, the combination of fast, medium and slow for each of these sorts of locations. Graham, I'm delighted to hear
0: that you are a driver of an electric vehicle, but a a number of the listeners of the podcast may well not be, but will be thinking about electric vehicles and certainly wouldn't want the availability of charging to be a constraint to to the adoption. Um, So I I think my my question from what what I've heard really is, uh, it it is critical that that we have the right combination of fast and slow charging, home and public charging, um, and we don't want the availability of charging to be that constraint to people adopting electric vehicles. So what do you think uh, the country, the government, the industries can do to accelerate the rollout of of electric vehicle charging? And and is there a need for some form of sort of UK-wide roadmap that identifies what needs to be done, when, to what specification?
2: Well, I guess the the challenge presented to, to us as a business is, well, National Grid, you don't need to do anything, the market will fix this. You know, Demand will generate the need, the commercial market will look to fulfil that need and we'll end up with this, this perfect solution. I guess the, the, the challenge that you've got is if you, if you follow that in its purest sense, you could see high population centres get some sort of fast charging early on and then if you're not in those population centres, you're in some kind of sort of, sort of you know, third world in EV charging. Um, but also I think to an extent there is an element whereby a little bit of structure becomes your good starter for 10. So going back to the, sort of the reasons given for not buying an EV, so there's the, the, the initial purchase price but the whole life cost kind of gets over that argument and as battery prices fall we'll get there. And then the next piece is this, this you know, availability and right sizing of chargers. Well if you want wholesale uptake and that nice sort of you know, ground moving in a direction you know, the, the strategy that we came up with is if you had 50 strategic locations across England and Wales um, whereby National Grid provided the infrastructure, you know, the wires but not the charging solution, then actually f- 96% of the population would know with confidence they could drive in any direction, no more than 50 driven miles and be able to f- charge their car in 5 to 12 minutes. Now that's not the complete answer, that's kind of your starter for 10. But if that's the biggest reason why you don't buy an EV and you can overcome that, then the market should take a step change forward. And so that start of a 10 just kickstarts the market. It kind of gets your base level of charging infrastructure enabled. The commercial market will compete to deliver those charging solutions. But then as you end up with this virtuous circle because actually more cars on the market, more people needing to charge more demand for further charging spaces, the commercial models will then beautifully fill in and dovetail into that as a solution. So if we want to make progress at a nice pace, that little bit of early structure should enable us to actually take that step change towards a you know an EV future.
0: And I think Adrian, it's fair to say this was a theme that was explored in our charging ahead report which we published. Was there was there anything else that, that you would add to what Graham has said in terms of what, what 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 could potentially be in that countrywide roadmap?
1: So I mean Graham's done a fantastically eloquent job at articulating the value proposition there. I mean I would just say simply I think we do need a roadmap. Um, you, certainly in our conversations with other clients in the sector, uh, there's a lot of innovation in the sector. Clearly, it's the strength there. And there's an argument there among some of the market participants is you let the innovation come to fruit, um, and that will deliver what you require. Uh, and I can think of many examples where you see really new, interesting business models uh, emerging. There's an example of InstaVault that's come up, where they basically offer to Put uh, EV charging points free of charge onto four courts. They look after the maintenance. They give an income to um, the holder of, uh, of that four court. Uh, and they're basically taking all the risk up front in terms of spending their capital expenditure there. It's a great, great model. Um, my concern would be if you look at, for example, the way, and, and, and Graham alluded to this, You know, the way that broadband was approached in this country. Lots of the cities had access to broadband, but once you went into the rural areas, it was slightly less efficient there. And I think if EV adoption is to be successful in this country, it needs to be comprehensive. The cities are clearly going to be the catalyst, the driver of that change, but you need to have it right across the whole country.
0: I agree. Great. Adrian, thank you. Graham? Thank you very much for joining us. Um, clearly, there are there are challenges to rolling out EV charging uh, across the UK, and these will need to be addressed if the country is to take a leadership role in new vehicle technology developments and the adoption of electric vehicles, as well as pioneering, pioneering the transition to a low-carbon economy. So, as I mentioned earlier, many of these challenges are explored further in our Charging at Head report. Um, I'd just like to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and please look out for our next series where we will continue to be looking at innovation in energy. Thank you for listening.